Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alias Secure AF podcast, the podcast about all things cybersecurity. I'm your host, Teddy Underkoffler. Today I am joined with security engineer here at Alias, Andrew Peters, um, and we are going to talk about memory forensics. So, Peters, if you want to kick it off, what is memory forensics? Hey, Teddy. Well, memory forensics is the collection and examination and the, uh, of the contents of computer memory. Okay. And so you are kind of our resident digital forensics expert, right? So you handle a lot of the digital forensic cases as well as the forensics involved in incident response situations, things like that. So how does memory forensics play into your daily role? Uh, in the cybersecurity industry, um, most of the forensics you're going to deal with is probably related to uh, malware or intrusion and kind of an incident response uh, role. So with forensics uh, in the memory, it, it contains a, a massive wealth of information um, for forensic examiners. So a lot of the information that you can get out of memory is like active network connections, um, running processes, and you can also find people's usernames and passwords in it as well. Okay. And so why does this actually, you know, what are some use cases for this beyond just broad forensics and incident response? The the big thing is going to be for malware. Um, you can find a lot of indicators of compromise using, like I said, the, the open network connections and uh, active processes. It can be um, either some, it can contain some really good clues or some definitive proof that uh, malware was executed on the machine or mm -hmm. that the machine has, in fact, been compromised and is being accessed remotely. And what are some of the clues that you can find that point to the malware? So a lot of the clues you can find that point to the malware are um, like active running processes on the machines, um, like DLL files, uh, for example, um, like I said, active network connections. And uh, sometimes you can even do a like a hex dump on the memory and find actual uh, like sections of the malware code itself. Okay, that's pretty neat. Um, let's see. So I was going to ask a question kind of along the realm of why is it important? But I feel like you've kind of answered it's important. It's important for incident response situations and a handful of things where you have to determine if you've been compromised, right? Yeah, absolutely. There, okay. there are some other use cases as well. So, uh, for example, mostly on the, the, the civil side of things, uh, forensic examiners typically are involved in like intrusion response, but on the, the criminal side of things, um, memory forensics can also, um, really help an examiner. For instance, if, uh, if a hard drive is encrypted and an examiner comes across it while the system is turned on, they can do a memory capture and possibly find the password to decrypt that. And you said, sorry, you said while the device is turned on. Yes, that's correct. So what would happen if it wasn't turned on. So RAM is a type of volatile storage, uh, which means that it loses all of its contents when power is removed from it. So as soon as you turn the machine off, it's gone. So if you want to essentially be able to figure out whether what type of malware you have or what's on your computer, you cannot turn it off. That's correct. That's very specific. Um, yes. And that, that sounds hard to execute. <laughs> yes. And it also poses a lot of challenges. So, um, Memory forensics is not always useful because typically when you come across a machine, it's going to be powered off. But in the, the instance that you do come across a machine that is live or powered on, 
um, I would always recommend taking a RAM capture of it because you never know what you're going to find on it. So it sounds like it could be a really good potential tool to have kind of in your book that you're able to use, but it's a very specific use case where the computer has to have not been turned off. Yes, that's correct. Um, if the computer has been turned off, there's a, a possibility that you can recover some of the contents of memory. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a file on the hard drive uh, native to Windows called hyperfile.sys. Mm -hmm. And when your computer hibernates, it actually loads the contents of memory onto your hard drive. So when your computer is woken up, it can reload that into memory and you can continue functioning. The problem with that is it's constantly being written and overwritten. So mm -hmm. you don't know exactly if that file is going to provide you what you need. The best way to do it is to get the memory itself. Gotcha. Um, do you have any like case stories or examples of times that we looked at and was able to grab memory from different devices? We've grabbed uh, memory from lots of different devices. Um, we haven't ever really, or at least personally, I haven't ever really had a situation where we did an incident response and the, the RAM capture was useful in finding indicators of compromise because the other indicators were already so prevalent mm -hmm. and the fact that the system was ransomware. You knew it was. But, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't exactly a secret. Um, so we, we did do some memory captures to determine exactly how that compromise occurred, but um, we actually determined uh, through the firewall logs. Um, we, we found that to be easier. Um, so there wasn't a really uh, a whole lot to investigate there. It was pretty clear what happened. Yeah, but. that makes sense. Um, I mean, I guess if you come in on a ransomware situation and you can very obviously tell by other ways that you are a ransomware situation, then you don't necessarily need the memory forensics aspect. Absolutely. If, if you already have a pretty good idea of what's going on, it can still be helpful or, or supplemental to proving mm -hmm. what you already suspect. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right there. It's if you already have a pretty good idea of what's going on there, you might not even need to do a RAM capture. And, and that's the thing with forensics is um, every case is, is different and every case is going to have different needs. And as the examiner, it's up to you to determine what needs to happen there. Mm -hmm. So how does somebody, I guess, get interested in or learn more about practical applications of memory forensics? Is it just you have to create kind of like a home lab setup and practice in there instead of in the fields or is, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. The, actually the cool thing about memory forensics is you don't need a lot of the really expensive forensic tools um, to do a lot of really effective work. There are some really great open source tools you can use to both collect and examine the memory. So um, for collection, uh, magnet forensics has a really great um, memory capture tool. Um, a memory capture function is also built into FTK Imager as well. Mm -hmm. And then the, the most common open source tool for doing an actual analysis is volatility. And there's lots of documentation on the internet about how to use that really effectively. Okay. So it is fairly easy for folks to get access to this and actually try and practice with it then. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, a few minutes on, on YouTube and Googling some articles, uh, you can do a RAM capture on your, your home computer or um, any other machine and start analyzing it yourself. Awesome. Very cool. Well, is there anything else about this topic that I didn't ask you that you wanted to kind of talk about today? I don't think so. I think it pretty much covers it. Awesome. Well, Peters, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me.